Welcome to the 78th day of the year, otherwise known as March 19th, 2022. We are days away from the spring equinox, and there's no turning back the clock in our future for some time. Sunlight and warmth fuel an explosion of vegetation, as well as the production of every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to keep you up to date on things trivial and things substantial. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, a plan to build four sevenplexes on two-thirds of an acre in Fifeville gets the Planning Commission's approval for a second time. A lawsuit seeking the voidance of the city's new comprehensive plan moves forward, and the City Tree Commission presents ideas to the City Planning Commission. Today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out goes to Charlottesville United for Public Education. They want listeners and readers to know about an event happening Sunday at 1 p.m., that's tomorrow, at the Ix Park, in collaboration with the Black Parents Association. They are looking for people who want to show support for local public schools, and speakers will provide updates on school reconfiguration and the city's budget cycle. There will be art activities, bubbles, poster making, Kona ice, and an appearance of the free book bus. Visit charlottesvilleunited.org to learn more about the event tomorrow, Sunday, at 1 p.m. at the X Park. The city of Charlottesville has been formally served with a lawsuit that seeks to overturn the comprehensive plan that was adopted by city council last year. Seven anonymous parties filed the suit in Charlottesville Circuit Court in mid-December, arguing that the city did not follow state law when adopting the plan. However, the city had not yet been formally served with the suit until yesterday. That requires a response from the city. Interim Deputy Communications Director David Dillahunt confirmed receipt of the suit on Friday, and that means that the city has until April 8th to make a response in court. The suit argues four points of failure, one of which is an alleged lack of designation of new and expanded transportation facilities and that support the planned development of the territory covered by the plan. The anonymous property owners include people who own land on Rugby Road, Alta Vista Avenue, Davis Avenue, Locust Avenue, and Rugby Avenue. They claim the future land use map is too specific in nature, and they argue the additional density called for in the plan is affecting property values. Here's paragraph 16 of the suit. For example, a house located at 507 10th Street Northwest which is currently assessed at $315,000, is being marketed at $485,000 due to its development potential based on the higher density described in the plan. There are actually two houses at that address, and both that and the .19-acre property sold for $475,000 to Bloom Hill LLC, which has an address in Somerset, Virginia. The transportation argument claims that rather than writing a new transportation plan, the plan adopted in November 2021 recycles previous plans, such as the 2015 Bicycle and Pedestrian Master Plan and the 2016 Streets That Works Plan. Here's a section from paragraph 22. Despite radically upzoning all of the real estate in the city, which will result in significant population increases, the plan fails to include transportation infrastructure improvements to support the increased density. 
The suit also alleges that the city failed to provide enough public notice that a vote would be held after the November 15, 2021 public hearing. The comprehensive plan was the second achievement of the Seville Plans Together initiative, following on the heels of an affordable housing plan that Council adopted in March of 2021. While the lawsuit makes its way through the legal process, staff in both the city's Neighborhood Development Services Department and consultant Roadside and Harwell are working on the zoning code. The next step is the release of an assessment on whether the approach they are taking will yield the desired results. That's expected in mid-April. In Virginia, the state code assigns the task of overseeing the comprehensive plan to the Planning Commission. Earlier this month, members of the Tree Commission urged planning commissioners to consider the importance of woody perennial plants. Hey, it's a synonym. Here's Jeffrey Ayton, the vice chair of the Tree Commission. Our urban tree canopy is declining at an increasing rate. Um, We have good intentions and are planning for a robust urban canopy in our comprehensive plan, as you can see noted there on the right-hand side of this slide. Uh, But we believe more needs to be done to ensure this is the case as we build for more affordable housing and adjust streets to be more friendly to pedestrians and bicyclists, et cetera. The city is finalizing a tree canopy study that appears to indicate the total tree canopy is at 40% of Charlottesville's 10.2 square miles or so, down from 47% in 2008. The most recent report is based on data from an aerial survey conducted in 2018. Aiton said there are improvements that could be made to the city code to protect trees. We believe that there are code issues uh, we can work with um, the Planning Commission on revising and updating. Uh, developing Development in the city has been happening per code and staff is enforcing code, but we believe the code really does need to change to help preserve some existing high-value trees and to really incentivize developers to work with the city to keep those trees and or to plant new trees when existing ones must be removed. Tree Commissioner Peggy Van Yeris said her group also wants to make sure there is better protection for trees during construction and greater costs to disturbing a public tree, such as oaks on Garrett Street that were recently removed to make way for the redevelopment of Friendship Court. I mean, just to let you know, in Richmond, they have an ordinance when a developer is allowed to take down a public tree, they have to pay into a fund for more planting around the city. And this can result in hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those oaks would be conservatively uh, estimated at $25,000 a piece. So eight times 25 would be $200,000 we could have. Vanieri said the Tree Commission wants the zoning ordinance to be updated to make sure trees are considered a vital asset. That means maintaining requirements that buildings be set back from the property line. The standard on West Main Street is an example of a building constructed right to the sidewalk and public realm. The Tree Commission also wants to be able to look at site plans for large projects such as Friendship Court. Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg said during the upcoming review of the zoning code, he wants considerations of ways to plant more trees in the right-of-way by reducing space for cars. And, uh, you know, I wonder if we can we can look at our rules uh, to make it make more sense um, to fit, be able to fit trees in front of buildings, even without uh, significantly increasing setbacks by using that right-of-way. Commissioner Jody Lehendro said the city could learn a lot from the University of Virginia regarding the treatment of trees. They've been treating their ash trees for many, many years now um, to to save them. 
Um, and and they they're adding trees all the time. They have a, a an arboretum uh, committee uh, that uh, reviews any uh, a, a proposal to remove a tree. It has to be approved. Um, it, it's they have two arborists on staff. Bill Palmer works in the office of the UVA architect and sits on the planning commission as a non-voting member. He acknowledged there has been canopy loss associated with at least one major construction project. That's the Emmett Ivy Corridor. There was a land, there was a landscape of trees there that's no longer there. And we are, you know, we'll be putting them back, but <clears throat> trees take time to grow. Uh, but the end result, 30 years from now, let's say 20 years from now, will, will be much better than what was there before and, and also meet the needs of, of UVA's mission. If you want more on this topic, you can go watch the Tree Commission's Codes and Practices subcommittee from March 13th, I think, on Charlottesville's streaming media portal. There's a link in the newsletter. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, are you ready for mulch madness? The Rivanna Solid Waste Authority has a free mulch giveaway through April 16th. In between all of the big games, the RSWA wants you to get your yard ready for spring. If you have a way to transport mulch, head on over to the Ivy Material Utilization Center between 7.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday, where you can pick up to two tons for free. Rivanna staff are available to help load, but ask that you bring a covering. Mulch is double ground and derived from vegetative materials brought to Ivy for disposal. That's Mulch Madness at the Ivy Material Utilization Center. Visit rivanna.org to learn more. One more segment today. There was a slightly different vote this month when the Charlottesville Planning Commission once again recommended approval of a rezoning that would allow 28 units to be built on just under two-thirds of an acre on a cul-de-sac in the Fifeville neighborhood. In October, the Charlottesville Planning Commission voted 4-2 to two to recommend the rezoning, a vote at which Commissioner Tania Dowell was not present. However, Dowell joined Commissioners Hosea Mitchell and Liz Russell in voting against the proposal, which also required a special use permit for additional density and a critical slopes waiver. The public hearing for all three had to be held a second time, as city planner Matt Alfaly explained at the March 9th Planning Commission meeting. In preparing to move the application forward to city council, it, would dis it was discovered one of the tax map parcel numbers was mistyped in the public ad. To ensure accuracy, all three applications have been re-advertised and returned to planning commission for action. No information has changed or been updated in the application materials. As was the case in October, the developer will contribute $48,000 to construct pedestrian improvements in the Fifeville neighborhood, and 28% of the units will have some affordability provision for at least 10 years. Civil engineer Justin Shimp is working on behalf of property owner Lorvin Investments. 28% in total of affordable, which is eight units. Of those, four of them, the rent, including utilities, is capped at the HUD fair market rate. The other four would be rented at 125% of the fair market rate, which is the upper limit for a unit to be eligible to receive housing vouchers. 
The comprehensive plan designation has changed since the October 2021 review. The comprehensive land use map for this area calls for general residential, uh, which recommends up to 2.5 stories in height, up to three units per lot or four units if existing structure remains. This application would have four seven-unit buildings with some three-story and some four-story buildings for what Shimp called a sevenplex that provides bonus density in exchange for providing housing at a below-market price. That's a basic tenet of the Affordable Housing Plan Council adopted in March of 2021. We ended up with buildings that were basically three stories in the front and then kind of a three-story but with a units in the attic, that back building has units sort of in the roof system. So again, trying to keep it at that 30 to 35 foot building height. Alphaly had recommended denial of the rezoning and special use permit, in part because of the conditions on Valley Road Extended. Uh, Valley Road Extended, you have on the eastern side, you have Rock Creek. And on the western side, you have a fully developed neighborhood with limited sidewalks and with parking. So any um, improvements to Valley Road for pedestrians or vehicular traffic would be a major undertaking to, and would probably remove a lot of parking from existing homeowners. Only one community member spoke during the public hearing. Paul Banesh was concerned about the potential for Valley Street Extended to handle additional vehicles. Uh, By my count, I counted the houses on that road currently, and this would seem to increase the total number of people on that road by about 30 or 40 percent, potentially. And it just seems like that road is already not wide enough. It's only about one and a half lanes wide, kind of hard to get through there. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade was not on council when the matter was last before a joint meeting. In the late 2000s, Wade worked for Albemarle County as a transportation planner. Trying to figure out, you know, for my planning days, even back then, $48,000 doesn't get you much sidewalk, or, or is it a new way to, <laughs> to build them cheaper now? So what, what are we getting for about $48,000, and why not 40 or 50? What, why 48? What's magic about that number? Is it a formula or something? Shimp said $48,000 did come from the formula that the city uses to calculate what a developer would pay if they got a waiver from having to build a sidewalk in front of their development. In this case, Shimp said they are also building a sidewalk in front of the new units. Site plan ordinance requires us to build our own sidewalks and then we would offer the money up for some improvement down the road. We talked last time about maybe something the entrance of Valley Road extended. Uh, that would be up to the city. I think we can try to make the proffer sufficiently vague that you know, it could be used where in that neighborhood uh, it made sense. Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg said he supported the plan because he said it is an example of what should be built under the general residential designation across the city. There's no buildings to demolish uh, on this site, so that's uh, for a fourplex by right. Um, and then we, we have provisions for bonuses um, at affordable housing. Stolzenberg said there are other thin roads that lead to cul-de-sacs, such as Altamont Street in North Downtown. And, and people kind of manage. Um, and, you know, people walk in the street and then people slow down when they see them. Commissioner Liz Russell had a different interpretation of general residential. 
My take on it is um, general residential, the category uh, is is three units per lot with an additional bonus. And we don't we haven't defined what that bonus is, but presumably it would be, you know, in another unit. So we have three parcels here. Max, I would think, would be four units per parcel, 12, 12 units max. And, and this is a proposal that um, proposes no more than 28. After some discussion, the vote was taken again, and it resulted in a four to three vote on both the rezoning and the special use permit. But Commissioner Hosea Mitchell did vote for the critical slopes waiver. Before we leave this topic, the original plan pointed to a concept in the city's bike and pedestrian master plan, which showed a tunnel underneath the railroad track to what is now the University of Virginia's Brandon Avenue precinct. The end of Valley Road Extended is only 250 feet away from an access road behind Bond House, one of UVA's newest residence halls. Valley Circle is a few more steps away. However, there are no actual plans for such an underpass. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for March 19th, 2022. Thank you very much for listening. And there are plans to do a week ahead newsletter for tomorrow, followed by whatever else I come up with as I get ready for another busy week. My gosh, what a busy year it has been so far. We're 78 days into it. I think you can multiply that at least three more times, maybe before you get to the end. I'm not sure. I can't really do math when I'm trying to improvise this at the end of the podcast. Yes, a little secret. These are always improvised. I don't have a script for this part, but I usually say something like, if you would like to support this program, please consider a contribution through Substack. If you are able to do that, the company Ting will match your initial payment, which is fantastic. There are lots of people who are doing that these days, and I am grateful for it and hoping that I can continue to keep going on this journey. There's also a Patreon shout out. You can find out how to do that by going to infoseville.com and click on the support the info button, and that will show you how you can help with that. I will be back in the future with another one. I do need to get going on this because I'm going to go take advantage of that free mulch, and I need to have this done in time to do that. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, disclaiming that I am in this case going to go get some of that and prepare my yard. At least I hope so. I hope you are having a good weekend. Stay safe, stay informed, and stay hungry. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Hopefully someone will get the reference. Probably not. Nobody ever tells me about these things. Enjoy and goodbye. Goodbye.